With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. HN Podcast, I'm John Miller, along with Steve Dace. Interesting topic in, in the last week or so, Steve, that percolated onto uh, our radars. I think one of the... Well, one of, it has the potential to be one of the biggest sea-changing topics in amateur athletics uh, of all time, and that is that the NCA has at least, I admit it's not the right word, thrown out there that they're willing to discuss to allow NCAA athletes to profit off of their own likeness. They have announced they are studying this avenue, uh, Bob Bowlesby, the current Big 12 commissioner, is on the committee. Uh, I think Bob's always been what I, I found to be a fairly decent voice of reason. I think a realist, uh, a guy I really like and admire, quite frankly, and he had a really good relationship with uh, when he was at Iowa, and to a lesser extent since he's moved on. So it's pretty exciting. I Generally, Steve... Your thoughts on this have evolved quite a bit through the years, as have mine. I think we're both in the same spot now. You speak more eloquently on it than I do. So why don't you share where your thoughts are on this right now? Well, because you and I have both been on college campuses, and I attended a Big Ten university, and, I mean, I, I saw the the Grand Cherokee that uh, Anthony Pig Miller, former Mr. Basketball at Michigan, in, in Michigan, I saw the cherry red uh, Cherokee he would drive around campus at Michigan State. And it came from Benton Harbor, one of the absolute poorest communities in the state. So this idea that these players are, you know, a victim class of people. Uh, I lived in an athletic dorm, Wonders Hall. I lived with a lot of football players. I lived with basketball players like Quinton Brooks and those guys you might remember from the Sean Respert era at Michigan State. Um, uh, that's just not true. It wasn't true 25 years ago, and that's before we started building all these facility Taj Mahals nowadays. It's not true now. So I don't come at this from any sort of the players aren't aggrieved victim class. It's just not true. I mean, and you can see them, um, you know, on their Twitter accounts, even to this day, openly rooting for the EA Sports college football game to come back. They don't feel like Ed Bannon did them a solid by any stretch, you know. Um, that being said, though, I'm also a capitalist. So I'm not approaching this from any kind of victimology, intersectionality, utopian fantasy. I mean, the players have a better deal than 99.99999% of either faculty or students on any college campus in, in the United States of America. Would we agree to that? Mm-hmm. Okay. But we'd also have to understand that when you and I were going to college 25 years ago, you aren't looking at the, the CBS didn't pay the NCAA a billion dollars a year for the men's basketball tournament by itself. We didn't have a playoff. We didn't have virtually no games not televised in a power conference. I mean, I don't remember. I don't know when you as an Iowa fan remember the last time you couldn't watch a game that mattered. Um, that was important. But I remember growing up as a Michigan fan, Michigan and Illinois South. played 
2000. Michigan, yeah, Illinois, last game of the yeah, Michigan, Illinois played for basically the Big Ten championship in 1988 when I was a sophomore in high school. That game wasn't on TV, you know. So we don't live in any kind of era like that. The amount of money the coaches are making, you and I can remember when you had the first million or two million dollar a year coach. Now we've got hordes of coordinators at some schools like Alabama, Michigan. You have multiple coordinators making that kind of money or assistant coaches. So, you know, when you're when you're gonna when you're gonna make this kind of money, the amount of money the schools are now making. The individual is primarily responsible for it. Um, if you don't, if you don't remedy them uh, uh, proportionally, you are going to beg for two things, really: a corruption vis-a-vis a, -vis a black market, and then b a public outcry to do something once this corruption comes to light. And this is where we are at now. There is simply more of a market for these players and their likenesses and their services than an NCAA grant and aid can provide. And and I understand the NCAA's position to some extent because I'm an employer as well. You know, I, I never had a problem signing non-competes when I worked for somebody else, provided there was consideration involved, because the reason people knew who Steve Dace was was WHO Radio or Salem Radio. So I get it. And I'm an employer now, too. I have multiple full-time employees who work for me. So I understand both sides of this. I've been an employee. I'm an employee of my own company, and I employ other people. So I, I understand that, all right? And I understand that the reason that there is a demand for these players' likenesses and their services outside of the uh, sports arena is because of the platform the NCAA provides, okay? So, again, this is where knowledge of basic economics and capitalism, as opposed to trying to uh, make the players out to be some struggling serfs and a third, you know, refugees from a third world country just trying to find their way. It's just simply not true. But it's also not true that just sitting there and saying, we're going to pay football coaches eight, nine million a year. Their assistant coaches a couple million a year. You know, they can come and go whenever they want. Um, you, uh, though, um, you know, a grant aid is good enough for you. That, that, that dog ain't going to hunt. And what's happened is the normal recruiting skullduggery that we kind of were accustomed to growing up, $500 handshakes, ignoring, you know, quiet periods, those sorts of things. Now um, now you've got full-blown full prohibition-level corruption happening now. There's, a, there's racketeering taking place, and we had multiple we, – we did the – all of the people that the FBI brought forward, no one was exonerated. Everybody either is going to prison or pled guilty to a lesser charge. No one walked away innocent. So college sports has become arguably, especially now with sports gambling legalized, the largest non-narcotics induced black market in the United States of America. You are begging for corruption. You are begging for racketeering. And, and, you're, and you're going to have changes forced upon you, NCA, unless you do it yourself. But they have another problem, and that is they strictly cannot pay the players. And the reason why is because Jay Billis, and I know he's smarter than this, at least I have to believe he is, he keeps pointing to how much revenue the NCAA earns. Well, I earn all kinds of revenue, okay? You know, I'll just, I'll just you know, throw a nice round number out. You know, my, my, my company revenue, just let's just say for a nicer round number, let's say we generate $50,000 a month. And people might look at that and say, we well, are generating $50,000 a month, Steve. You could afford to do blank. Okay, but I have what's called overhead. I have human, I have 
human capital I have to reimburse. I have to give salaries to. I have other overhead, costs of doing business, uh, technology, distribution, things of that nature. So it's not about your, your revenue. It's about how, what, what your actual profit margin is or how much is left over. And the, so that's one thing. The other thing is you have Title IX. And Title IX is simply not going to say you are permitted to pay athletes in the only two sports that universally make money, football and men's basketball. And by the way, men's basketball isn't even close to football, even at a Duke, at Kansas. It's just not even, it's not even close. Jamie Pollard at Iowa State once told me 8% of his profit margin was Iowa State basketball. That was back in the Greg uh, McDermott era. So let's say it's gone up, let's say it's gone up 100%. That's a tremendous increase in 10 years. Let's say he's had a 100% increase in 10 years. It's 16% of his, of his, uh, of, of his profit comes from men's basketball. All right. So really, we'll say basketball is a money revenue generating sport, but really football is driving the entire train. And football, it's, it's coaching salaries, it's scholarships at every power five university. Those are paid for totally outside of any uh, funding from the university itself. They are self-sustaining organisms. All right, so they're the only ones, they're, they're really funding the rest of the athletic department. The Title IX is not going to say you can pay the fourth string long snapper, but you can't pay the star of the women's rowing team. It's just not going to permit that. And there simply isn't the revenue to pay all of those players left over from operating costs. On top of that, I don't think it's a great deal for the players because they're going to have to be then treated as employees. And everything they would get as part of that employment, depending on how the employment is structured, let's say if they structure the salary lower to accommodate training table, to accommodate books, room and board, to accommodate trainers, to accommodate uh, workout facilities, all the other things that go along with that employment arrangement, they, they would likely either A, have to make that taxable income, or B, lower their wages to include it as their overall salary structure. But, but, but becoming having to pay taxes on all of that as potential taxable income, not a great deal for the players, many of whom come from, in, is particularly in the sports that make money, come from uh, foreign countries or in basketball or Olympic sports or in football impoverished areas. So I don't think that's that good of a deal for them either. Because they're not amateurs, but they're not professionals. All right. And Bob Bowlesby, I was listening to an interview he did recently where he, he got rid of the amateur label and he called it the collegiate student athlete model. It's somewhere in between. All right. And, and they've been permitted to operate somewhere in between because of their nonprofit status. But you have a bill making its way through Congress right now with a Republican congressman who, and several Democratic uh, congressmen have have co-signed it. It might be about the only thing uh, that uh, the two parties agree on right now is they hate the NCA. Um, and so the NCA, even and Gene Smith, even who's on this committee from Ohio State with Bob Bowlesby, even admitted they're only doing this because of this legislation. They they can see the that what's coming down the road, and they're really only one federal court decision away from some federal judge somewhere saying, yeah, your collegiate student athlete model sucks. So they're going to have to be proactive with this. And, and the only way out I can see, John, since they can't pay them as they can't straight up pay them because of Title IX, they don't have the leftover revenue to do that. And B, I don't think I think a strong argument can be made. It's not good, a good, a good deal for the players as it sounds. So therefore, it seems to me the only real option is what they're considering. And 
but I, but I think they're going to, they're, they're going to try to make some really bad decisions first when really the best option here is, is pretty much complete and total deregulation. And that is just to simply say, like they do in the Olympics, whatever you do on your private time, you are an adult. If, you know, if, if you want to hire an agent to represent you, to sell photos, to do uh, pitch work, that's your expense. That's your problem, not ours. You are getting no additional recourse remedies from these member institutions. Our only concerns are not violating the academic integrity of the institution. And, you know, we don't want any more Baylors. We don't want any more uh, Michigan States or now it's Ohio State now where they have their own Nasser going on there. We don't want any of that. So don't be a menace to the campus community and don't you know, compromise the academic integrity other than that, whatever you do in your own private time is none of our business. That's your business. Um, and I think that eventually they're going to get there. They have, that's the only way they're going to salvage their model is they're going to have to get there. Now, they probably won't get there up front because it's the NCAA. So they'll, they'll probably do two or three things that won't work to convince themselves, you know what, the only way to regulate this is to not regulate this. Okay? It's a free market. They're adults. They have to file taxes and everything else. Like, do you think Sean Miller, do you think Sean Miller gave a, a 1099 or a W-2 to DeAndre Ayton for paying him $10,000 a month? Probably not. Probably not. Do you think DeAndre Ayton and his family claimed that on their taxes? Nope. No. Guess what that's called? Money laundering. It's former racketeering. All right, that's what's going on right now. And the NCA is a party to it. In fact, they're the platform for it. And if they don't do something about it, it's going to be foisted upon them. And I think the only way they can ultimately salvage this is to just simply say, that's a you issue, not an our issue. And if you guys want to form, you, you don't have to form unions. You can form associations. For example, in Iowa, um, it's a teacher union state. Okay. And it's, it's, it's a state that's exclusive. The, the National Education Association, the NEA, has the exclusive uh, collective bargaining rights to the state of Iowa. So you can't form a competing union with the NEA. They've negotiated that with the state, passed by the legislature, signed into law. What you can, though, is form professional a professional association. So there's another group of people. You know, Iowa is a right-to-work state, so you can't be, as a teacher, compelled to join the NEA if you don't want. What you can, though, do is you can have an agent, basically, or a professional association represent you in your, for your contract negotiations instead. And that's there's another organization in Iowa called Professional Educators of Iowa, and that's what it is. It's a professional association. It's not a union. They don't have collective bargaining rights, dues, anything of that nature. Okay, They operate as a nonprofit uh, for teachers that don't want to have to join the union. The players will probably have to, pro to, to form something like that. All right. You don't want to form a union anyway. You're going, get, you're going to get taxed. So you form a professional association, and that's what you'll do to negotiate with the EA Sports, um, you know, if they want to bring the video game back or anything else that collectively uses likenesses and those sorts of things. Okay. And what the players are probably going to find is they're each going to get about 50 bucks in a, in a copy of the game. They're probably going to find, unless your name is uh, Trevor Lawrence, to a tag of Iowa, um, you know, um, Zion, you know, uh, Zion Williamson, unless your name is something like that on a national level, you're get the most 99.999% of these are going players are going to find there's not much of a market for them. College sports is highly regionalized, localized. Yeah, be, you're right. 
there's going to be car dealers that are going to say in Iowa City, well, we don't want you to go to Iowa State. So, you know, you can be our pitch man here at uh, Cedar Rapids Cadillac for 50 grand a year when the one in Des Moines that uh, the Iowa State uses only can afford 25. Okay. So what? They're getting that now. For, they, can, they can do that now anyway. All right. Except it, it, the reality is the amount of money, once it's above the table, won't be as much because it's all taxable now. And the NCA has to get out of the business of trying to police a black market. That is the job of the government who has subpoena power, right. who can put people in prison. All right. They're out. We're not they're, they, they are no longer policing things of contact and amateur status. We're into full-blown racketeering now because a black market is there. And the only thing that makes a black market go away, whether it's prohibition, whether it's what they call tits in prison, cigarettes and, and drugs, okay? The only thing that makes a black market go away is deregulation. Now, not every black market should go away. When a black market exists because putting the product above board puts people in harm, like, say, child porn, you don't deregulate child porn. You execute the people you find peddling it. OK, so but but that's where you that's where in a black market exists, because the, pro, the product in and of itself harms others. Tell me who's being harmed by the fact that the Birmingham, uh, the, 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 the Birmingham uh, furniture store wants to pay Najee Harris, Alabama's running back, 20 grand to uh, do TV commercials for them next year. Who's being harmed? Don't think anybody's being harmed. Nobody's being harmed. Absolutely. So who freaking cares? Okay. And they're eventually going to get to that decision because the cat's out of the bag now. They're, they're, in some respects, they're victims of their own success. All right. They've created a model that is so successful. It's made them so much money. They can't hoard it anymore. They're going to have to open up the, open up the floodgates. And this is the, I think the only way legally they can actually do it. Your thoughts. Um, there's just no air left to consume. In this little cabin that we're in, you nailed it pretty much. Um, and I've written down a few things just to be ornery, to see if I can so create you or trap you or what have you, bring up objections you haven't thought of. But I really don't think it's going to work. I'm still going to try. But you just, <laughs> said, you just, you just said something about three minutes ago, um, you know, relative to your Iowa City and Des Moines car dealer um, bidding war for a player to, you know, obviously it's Iowa versus Iowa State proxy war is what it is. Right. And you said, who cares? I don't care. And really, that's going to be your answer on a lot of the things that mm-hmm. I thought of because you went to the most extreme and you already say, who cares? Because your point circling back around is because it will be regulated and therefore taxable. And therefore, things will have to be above board. It likely will lessen the amounts that we're talking about. No, the, there'll still be some outlandish amounts. A fool and his money are soon parted. Sure. Um, but, but if you're gonna if you're gonna open this up, let's open it up. So let me dive into something here. Okay. Um, devil's advocate poking holes at this. Well, Steve, if if we allow this, then the Alabamas of the world. The Ohio states of the world, the Texases of the world, teams that have more, you know, prime time television games 
teams that get more three o'clock in the afternoon national platform standalone CBS, etc. They're going to have an unfair advantage over an Iowa, an Iowa State, uh, a Minnesota, a Purdue that doesn't get as many opportunities at that national spotlight and exposure because if it's a, if they can make money on their likeness and brand now, that's all about exposure. It's all about getting yourself, your number, your face, your name, as many impressions as possible in front of the largest audience as possible. So Bama, Ohio State, Texas, and those folks that like them, they're going to have an unfair advantage over everyone, and that's not fair. This is actually the remedy to them having an unfair advantage. First of all, many of the schools you just mentioned are flaunting rules that the NCAA can't or won't enforce, number one. All right, so you really have one league. You know, we like to wink and nod and mock Ohio State as the closest thing we have to the SEC. But, but there's a reason why we say they're the closest thing we have to the SEC. All right. Maurice Corrette may have gotten a car. Terrell Pryor may have gotten some tattoos. And, you know, another some other guys may have sold their jerseys. In the Southeastern Conference, that's a smoke break, bro. Okay? <laughs> so, what, what, I mean, what Ohio State is Vanderbilt in the Southeastern Conference, my friend. Vanderbilt. All right? It's just not even close. They don't, Ohio State, there's no tape of Ohio State making, quote, strong-ass offers, unquote. Okay? I mean, this, it's just, I mean, there, there's nothing. The, the, the competitive disadvantage exists because one region of the country in particular has determined, you know what? In the end, what the hell? Let me get, let me put it this way. John, in any other context in all of human existence, tell me where anywhere else it's considered unethical to pay a poor single mom's heating bill for, for four years because she can't pay it herself in the dead of winter. Tell me where any, in other, any other context in all of human existence that's considered unethical. Where? That's a good point. I, I haven't thought about it. And I have, if you give me time, I'm sure I could smarm up some answer, but nothing's coming to me quickly. So the way they, the way they justify this down in the Bible Belt is they're like, you mean, yeah, you're right. So uh, a region of the country that's notorious for its history with racism, we're terrible people because we're paying predominantly poor black kids as single mothers bills and giving them jobs. That's the penalty. Screw all y'all. You should be doing the same thing. All right. And that's the moral. We can argue with it. We can debate it. But they've made that moral rationalization. And the NCA, for the for the most part, has determined to look the other way. And so that that's this is actually going to close the gap. And I'll give you and, I'll, and I'm going to cite precedent for how this has happened already. It happened in Major League Baseball in the last era. The idea that um, the, the the Kansas City Royals could go to back to back World Series was inconceivable for decades. What happened when, what happened in the old arrangement in Major League Baseball when the Red Sox and Yankees got absolutely any player they wanted? And so the first thing Major League Baseball decided to do was we're going to have a luxury tax. We're going to, we're going to practice wealth redistribution. And you know what you always see whenever you, in any society where you practice wealth redistribution, this is its historical fact. The more progressive, meaning the rate, not ideologically, the more progressive the tax rate is, the wider the chasm between the haves and the have-nots. For example, if you go to any nation in Europe that has single-payer health care system, the top exempt people are basically exempted from it 
Why? Because they can afford to pay for their own better coverage out of pocket and not have to go to the state-run facilities. The SERFs are competing for, for a, you know, an MRI with each other to get in front of. All right. This is always what happens with wealth redistribution. They tried this. This was Bud Selig. His first. This was his first panacea in baseball. And and the and the Yankees and Red Sox were like, we don't care. We'll just pay more in taxes. We're making more revenue, winning more championships. We don't give a rip. Screw you. And so they realized, you know, the greatest way to create equality is to expand opportunity, because the reason that the Yankees had, had such a huge advantage wasn't just they were in the number one market. They've always had that advantage. But they don't win the World Series every year. In fact, when you and I were growing up, they went almost 20 years without winning a World Series in the 80s and most of the mm-hmm. 90s. It's right? glorious. <laughs> what changed is they created their own network. They created the Yes Network. And so now they got to now they got both ends. They got to bite both sides of the apple. They got to sell the ads, and they also got advertising and commissions off of both sides of the exchange. Okay. And that, that, then you throw in the, the, the birthright of being in the number one market, and it gave them an overwhelming advantage of a revenue stream. There was no luxury tax Bud Selig could impose that the, Yankee, that the Yankees would look at, Brian Cashman would look at and say, with all those, all those zeros coming in from the Yes Network, yeah, there's, there's really no rate you could, that we wouldn't go ahead and sign on to. And so what Major League Baseball figured out is, you know what, everybody needs their own network. By the way, do you know per capita? What two teams have the highest rate, had the highest ratings? I think it was in 2017 was the last year we have information. It was the Royals and the Cardinals. Mm-hmm. In terms of the total percentage of the, of the market that is tuned into their games on TV. And so what's happening now is the Padres can go get Manny Machado. What's happening now is other markets can now go and compete for all of these players because they've all got their own little printing press there. And so now we're kind of back to the way things used to be. The Yankees are still the greatest franchise ever. They still have, they're still number one in terms of market share being in the, you know, the big apple. But the second big super califragilistic advantage they had where they had their own printing press of a network no one else had, that's been totally eliminated now. And that's what NCAA rules are for those other conferences. They're their yes network. They are their realization that the NCAA, there is nothing that they will ever do to a Nick Saban. When North Carolina comes back and says, yeah, yeah, we gave our students fake classes, but since we offered them to the rest of the university as well, it's not an improper benefit that we are, we're, we're running a scam here and don't care about academics, just winning basketball games. And the NCAA is like, to its arguably its greatest program in the history of its number one money-making sport. Yeah, you're right. No problem. Not an improper benefit, the fact that basket weaving is uh, permitted for a degree for everybody. You're right. We'll look the other way. See it. See, this is what's, this is where the competitive disadvantage is. We are holding ourselves in this part of the country and this region of the country to a set of archaic rules that aren't enforceable and aren't even enforced by those putting, putting them on. Some people will then say to me, well, Steve, I thought you were the big conservative Christian. And now you're on here saying, screw the rules. Um, where's your Christianity? Well, if you'll recall, the very first sermon Jesus ever gave, he stood up on a mountain and he said, hey, I got a list of a bunch of crap man-made rules that they aren't following. The people who made the rules and are imposing them on you, they're not following them either. So don't do those rules and actually do right and wrong instead. It's a very famous sermon. It's called the Sermon on the Mount. So I think I'm actually in pretty good company. Don't follow stupid rules that the people who impose them aren't even imposing themselves 
and enforcing themselves and just do what is right and wrong. Period. Um, star quarterback under this, you know, era of likeness. So, so what, okay, this is going to depend. When do you think players should be able to get the money that they agree that they sign for? Should they be able to get it immediately? Should it go into escrow, earning interest, and be available to them once they are out of college? That will impact my next question. I think this is where there probably needs to be some conversations. Because um, let me and, give you an example. Let me give you. Let me give you an example. Yep. Um, say, say Tua is a quarterback coming out in like three years once this is already in place, mm-hmm. and say that they can get access to the money whenever. And Tua is like, okay, um, I'm gonna be here next. I'm gonna be here next year. So you know, listen, why not be able to sign these guys when they're high school juniors? High school sophomores start paying them then. No problem there, right? No, there's not. There can't be. You, you, there can't be a problem with that. You, you would be hypocritical if you said there was. So two is like, hey guys, I've already got a five hundred thousand dollar deal, collegiate deal for my three years minimum that I'm going to be at Bama from Nike, right? Nike's mm-hmm. going to pay me five hundred grand. It's already in my account or an in interest. Hey, you five-star left tackle and you five-star right tackle, I'll give you guys ten grand a year because Nike's not paying the 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 five-star left tackle, um, five-star offensive lineman the same that they're paying five-star Tua because that guy's not going to get as, as many repetitions and impressions on TV as Tua's going to get. So hey guys, I'm gonna I'm gonna pay you, I'll pay you ten grand a year. I'll pay you ten grand a year if you come to Bama with me. What do you think of that scenario? I still don't really care because um, if Alabama's got boosters that can hand out a lot more money to a five-star offensive tackle than uh, with the, the amount of money you're talking a potential to a handing through the recruiting process. I mean, that, that's ba- that, that, yeah, that's basically going to be your answer for everything, and that's okay. It's not a cop-out. That's yeah, going to be because, your answer because for all, all of the things. I would love to. I'd love to. I'd love for us to have the luxury of being concerned about these concerns. Right. But we're, we're, it's a little bit like wondering, did you, you know, hey, your daughter's pregnant and you're debating with your wife. Um, as your daughter's pregnant in high school and you're debating with your wife, you know, I really don't understand why the condom didn't work. We're, we're, we're past that debate. Okay. We've got a human being arriving here in, in uh, nine months. So uh, that, you know, the horse hasn't just left the barn. The barn is a freaking cavernous hole. In the ground. I can see the fires of hell when I look down it, and then we're asking, how'd the horse get out? I mean, that's where we're at right now. We're way beyond that. I mean, we've got, we, we just saw a half dozen people go to prison for one shoe company whose percentage of sales compared to the one that really regulates basketball, Nike, is pennies on the dollar in Adidas. Okay? So we're, we're way beyond that. Now, I have a concern about this, though, for the kid. Not Tua, Tua, yeah. Tua and his family, they better have a good accountant Agreed. because they're going, they're going to begin to play in liability, tax liability issue areas that can Which wind up. Which is also why those amounts of money won't be as much as you think that people think they will be because of what you just said. Yeah. They won't be yeah. that. They won't, they won't be the amount of money that people think because, the, because this welcome to the real world, baby. Okay. I mean, we had a situation a few years ago 
where, I mean, you can sometimes, depending on when you get picked in the NFL draft, you can make less, you can make less money being the third pick than the seventh. If you're the third pick of the Oakland Raiders and the seventh pick of a state with no income tax. Oh, I was just going to go there. We just, we, we just ran into a problem for USC and UCLA and University of Illinois, any colleges in the state of New York, all these states that have really high state tax rates. Uh, there is a recruiting disadvantage. We're in Florida and Texas and other states where there's no personal income tax. Welcome to a recruiting advantage. And if, but if I'm, if I'm sitting there at the NSA offices, you know what I'm saying? Those are problems that we already have bureaucracies with real enforcement mechanisms to handle. That's not our problem. Our problem is to handle, is to oversee the, in, the overall integrity of collegiate sports. And the fact that, that we have outgrown our previous financial model has opened up a black market here that, that makes, that makes our rules unenforceable and makes us at the very least passive agents of corruption, meaning we are fighting to maintain a system that incentivizes the corruption we can't stop from happening. Okay. I get it. So get it. all of, all of those situations you talked about, you know, we're already way past them. But I do think we need to be concerned for the for the, for the kids. And I'll give you an example. The transfer portal. I think I sent you a tweet yesterday. 20%, only 20% of the kids that have entered the transfer portal this offseason have found a home in a Power 5 team in football. 20%. Oh, that's a lot of scholarships. Uh, yeah. As, the, as, the, as that one dude's voice once said when uh, Carl Lewis tried to sing the national anthem, uh-oh, yeah, uh-oh is right. Their scholarships are gone spoken for those coaches aren't holding us when you walk into a coach's office and said hey i'm going to put my name in the transfer portal and see what's out there he's already your scholarship is gone in 10 minutes unless rarely unless you're a lamont wade who was a five-star recruit for penn state two years ago then you might give him 40 dollars and he eventually came back to school but forever lamont wade 97 percent of those guys scholarships are already gone and spoken for because the right. general rule is hey once you're thinking about looking around i'm not re-recruiting you Okay, so if you want to be gone, so be it. I'll just find another guy. And so where 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 are all those kids going to play? We just finished. It's graduation weekend around the country. All right. So every school you have you have to you have to take your name out of the transfer portal at the end of every semester to have any claim on your previous scholarship if it's not already spoken for. So the music stops playing this week. Where are all these kids going to go? Now, a lot of the kids in the transfer portal are walk-ons or, you know, kids who were fifth-year guys that, you know, their school said you're not good enough for us to keep give you a fifth-year scholarship. All right? There's not a lot of top talent in there. If there were, player, you know, you would, coaches would be looking for ways to move scholarships around, and most of the players that were worthy of being taken in there are already spoken for. But that's an example of, you tell young people who have never really had to be adults before that they can now essentially enter into monster.com and, and, and now you're dealing with 40, 50, 60 year old men who have lived in this world 20, 30, 40, 50 years before any of these players were born and know how cutthroat it is in real life and their livelihoods are on the line and their assistants' livelihoods are on the line. You walk in there on a whim. You, you had a, you had a tough day with your girlfriend. Coach made you, you know, do more up-downs than you wanted. You know, your strength and conditioning coach is all over you because, you know, uh, your BMI chart's off. And, you know, you, you're, you haven't gone up any more reps on the 225. And you walk in and say to coach, 
in April after spring ball, you know, I think I'm out of here. I don't know. I'm going to put my name in the transfer portal, see what's up. He's already making phone calls because now we've got an official visit calendar in April, May, and June. He said, your scholarship's gone because he's already thinking of his, of his best interests while you're out there just gallivanting. And see, this is, this is where the crowd in collegiate media who treats these players like they're victims and they're not, they're encouraging this culture and they're screwing these kids because they're giving them a false sense of importance and making them think like they're they're just a bunch of oppressed snowflakes and the world will stop for them if their coach would just be less fair, less unfair to them. And so what happens is they don't really understand the answers or the consequences of their actions because they haven't been at a point in their life when they've had to. And they're competing in shark infested waters with grown ass men who've already been screwed nine times and screwed other people nine times before this and know how the world actually works. All right. So, that's the big difference between approaching this from a victimology mentality and approaching it from a realistic capitalistic one. I do think that there are going to be large sums of money, um, large sums of money offered until those sums of money don't pay out the way that whomever, the shoe companies, the car dealers, whatever, want them to pay out, then the, the, the monies will probably go down from that point. I think you'll see, I think you'll see it trickle down into eighth graders and things of that nature. But yeah, that's fine. It's capitalism. And, uh, I agree with you. They're not going to be employees because of the taxation issues and the burden of compliance will therefore move over to the IRS where it should be. And, uh, away we go. But I, I do think it's interesting. Um, I mean, what's, when you talk about, let, let's say uh, a, a top star player could earn half a million dollars while he's in college. If you do that in a state that doesn't have state income tax versus a state that has six or seven percent, you got 30, 30, 35 grand that you more that you'd make going to a state let, with no income tax. Let me, let me give you a hypothetical situation that is, that could abs- may have already happened and could certainly happen in the future. There's a top offensive line prospect in the state of Iowa. Offered by Alabama and Iowa. Okay. Just again, hypothetically speaking. And Alabama says, if you poor rural kid from Iowa, if you come here and play at Alabama, not only is your life set forever. All right. With our vast alumni network, which by the way, every school in the Big Ten has a vast alumni network. And by the way, last week the Big Ten reported its revenues for all of its member schools was on average $100 million more than any school in the SEC, than the SEC, or $100 million more than the SEC made last year, okay? So this idea that, you know, Alabama is a much bigger university than Purdue, it's, it's not. This idea that, oh, you know, Georgia is a much bigger university than Iowa, it's not. In fact, the two universities in, in the world that have the two largest living alumni bodies are both in the Big Ten. Penn State and Michigan have been trading that factoid back and forth for 30 years on a given year. One of them has the largest living alumni body, all right? Minnesota, Ohio State, these are huge undergraduate population universities with huge alumni bodies as well, okay? So, so that, so, the, the, we'll t- you know, you're part of our, you know, network for the rest of your life talking point. Nobody can play that better than the Big Ten. But then, th- then Alabama goes in for the kill and says, you know, we're going to make your mom, you know, um, uh, you're, we're going to make your mom, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, you know, put give her a job. She's going to make, you know, 60, 70, 80 a year. Um, you know, all, no, no out of pocket health care expenses, yada, yada, yada. Okay. 
Well, you know, they got a pretty good hospital at the University of Iowa. A lot of infrastructure like that at the University of Iowa. Like, you know, um, a lot of people at Iowa with a huge alumni base, you know, that money comes from somewhere to go to all these bowl games every damn year. All right. Now the university, now, now Iowa's network of people can offer the same thing. And now the attraction of going to Alabama is a lot less. Now it just comes down to, you know what? And then Alabama, by the way, you know what Alabama may do? May stop offering guys in a place like Iowa those kinds of deals when now they can be competed against. Because a lot of that competitive incentive. Um, now, and, and now what you're probably, if you're Alabama, you're going to go to that young man and say, do you want to compete for national championships? And if they beat you on that recruit, recruiting pitch, so be it. But the other, but the other, the other recruiting pitches that these other schools and this re, this region of the country has been willing to use, this has gone on for far too long, and it's a massive competitive disadvantage. And and you look at college football, John, where we don't have a playoff; we have an invitational. There is no objective way for you to play your way in, and the criteria for the four teams they select alters every year based on who they want to pick and the narrative they create surrounding it. This entire process is subjective, including the rules. There's one conference out there, for the most part, who, who, for the most part, tries to actually play by a bunch of rules that are largely not enforced and aren't enforceable even if they tried. Why? All very interesting stuff, and it'll be even more interesting to see just what the NCAA comes out with. They, they, they've opened Pandora's box by doing this. Can I make a prediction of what they're going to do first? Sure. My prediction of what they'll do first is they'll be very concerned. They're going to do something. There's no way they're going to study this and come back with, now we can't do it. There's no way. They can't do that. All right? If they, so they're going to come back with something. Guarantee they will. If I had to guess, they're going to tie it to television appearances. And it's a uniform amount, okay? Every time your school is on TV for a given sport, it's $2,500, 500 bucks, okay? And that money all goes into an escrow trust. Uh, when EA Sports comes to us and says and negotiates uh, for the rights to, have the, uh, to put the NCAA football game out, and I think this will happen, and I think it'll be out. I don't think they'll get it done by next season, but 2021, I think you'll see the game return. And they'll... And it'll be stuff like that. And those will be in escrow accounts that are available and payable to you uh, upon with, you know, completion of your eligibility, uh, the ending of your uh, academic athlete, student athlete career, et cetera. That's what I think they will do to start with. I think that absolutely the monies will go into escrow. When you're talking about um, television appearances, uh, are you talking about like Big Ten Network? Uh, are you talking about ABC National? Are you talking about ESPN? Are, are those all different levels? What about when a game's on ESPN Plus? Is that a different level? Because now we're again just getting back to, well, you should come here because, you know, half the games in the school that you're considering I think you'll are see overpaid the here and we'll pay you twice as much. Yeah, I think you'll see the NCAA do with what they did with um, the cost of attendance. They will let the individual conferences decide that, like they did with the cost of attendance. Yeah, I mean, a lot of, yeah. In some conferences, you get more for a conference, for cost of attendance than you do with others. Yeah. Right, right, yeah. right. Okay. All right. That'll wrap up this installment of the HN podcast for Steve and John. We'll talk to you soon.